From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. It's great to be back with you and we have an article that we're going to touch on that has proven excellent uh, for our ministries and our lives. But before we get to that, we are the Worthless Servants and I'm Scott Armstrong and to my right I have AJ Fry. Hey guys. And this is Emily Armstrong across from us. Hey everyone. Natalie Franco as well. Hello. And Chelsea Fry to my left. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact, the world's quietest room is located at Microsoft's headquarters in Washington State. Why? It does not say why they made it. I I looked. It doesn't say. But it registers um, at a negative 20.35 decibel. Negative? How can you have negative? So it absorbs some. Yeah. But, But the way they measure decibels is is different than like one sound is a positive one decibel uh, or something. It's okay. it's a different scale. Huh. So. Yeah. I don't know, but it, that is 20 decibels below human hearing. Mm. Okay. So, so it's so quiet, you could talk in there and literally hear nothing. No, it says that if they like, it said if you move your neck, you can hear your bones and muscles moving because it takes out so much outside noise that's where they have Uh, their top secret meetings of like the new (laughs) software that they want to roll out so that nobody else (laughs) but that would be the kind of room that like it hurts to be in you know when it's so quiet you're like oh Oh, it hurts my ears but it would be even worse yeah i was just gonna ask like would that be amazingly peaceful to you guys no. or would it drive you crazy? It would drive me crazy. I think for the first couple of minutes it'd be super peaceful for me. Yeah. But then I'd be like, I can hear my eyes blink. Now currently I am trying to hear. <laughs> as like, I, I blink my eyes yeah. a lot more than I yeah. thought I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea's got her hand cupped. Over her eye, trying to reach it around to her ear so she can hear <laughs> yes. I heard her it. eye. I you, you heard it. I think I have some morning, like, goopy stuff in my eye. <laughs> Good thing this is an audio format. Yes. So, speaking of... No, it has nothing <laughs> no to do with transition. it. Yeah. Um, we are going to dive into an article. A um, couple episodes ago, I believe we talked about Pastor Dan Ryland, and occasionally we'll come across his works and and his articles, and we love to reproduce them. And we're going to do that again here on the episode. His article is on MesoamericaGenesis.org, and also there's a DanRyland.com. So this article has been really helpful for us. It's entitled, A 14-Point Checkup for Mistakes That Will Hurt Your Leadership. We are all leaders. We do not want our leadership to be ineffective. And so this is just an excellent article. Now, he's talking about a checkup, so he's really kind of using the analogy of an annual physical, going through the process of a a checkup from head to toe. Uh, What's going right? Is there anything going wrong? He wants us to kind of think that way as far as our leadership. Many times we just lead and we never evaluate. We never think, you know what? I should probably start to assess, am I doing this well? Am I not? Yeah. And in the same way, like if you were to go to a doctor's visit and they were like, oh, you actually have something in your lungs, like 
the x-ray shows, they would send you to, I don't know what a lung doctor is. Pulmonologist. There you go. (laughs) Resident doctor on the podcast. (laughs) Um, But they would send you to a specialist, depending on what it is, to get better in that situation, hopefully. So I think this article serves as that as that checkup, but also in sends us in the direction of our specialists to get better in mm-hmm. our leadership. Mm-hmm. So what are some of those things? Now, he says 14 points. We're not going to dive into 14. In fact, <laughs> we have two episodes dedicated to this. So of the first seven, what grabbed your attention? Something that sticks out to me is the one about resisting change. And I think that's so important to to look at and to think about because I've noticed myself as I get older like having this mentality of resisting change because I remember like when I was younger things were great and I want things to be that way you know and so like I don't want to change and get like so that those things go away and I feel like that's a way a lot of churches that I've seen kind of think that way as well especially if the leadership is an older generation and even in some of the things that we do in our ministry, just that is one of the things that we are constantly like combating or trying to train against is uh, this idea of of change. And it is scary sometimes to to think about, oh, I need to change this, but it has worked so well in the past. Why do I need to change it now? You know, mm-hmm. um, it's because the world is constantly changing. We talked in a recent episode about being relevant. I think in order to be relevant, you have to uh, be willing to accept change. Mm-hmm. And this idea of resisting change is is a sure way, in my opinion, you know, not to be in an effective ministry. Yeah, I completely agree. And I remember when like, Years ago, my mom, I used to ask my mom for a permission. Of course, I'm still living with her. So a friend of mine, he he was inviting me to his church on Friday night. They used to do this uh, new um, project. It was called like Disco Nights. Disco Nights. Yeah, Disco <laughs> Nights. So obviously for me, it was like different and I really wanted to try. So I was I went to my mom and I, I said, Mom, I really want to go to my friend's church on Friday night. They're going to do like a disco night. Obviously, it's inside of the church. Obviously, it's going to be Christian music, like techno music, but it's going to be different. Can I go? And she was like, no, there's no way. My God is a God of light. <laughs> and I was like, Mom, come on. Of course. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. He's a God of light, but it cannot be a justification of resistance. Like mm. it's different and they're going to be like, we're going to be inside of the church. We, we won't do anything bad. So as you can imagine, I couldn't go. And all I was able to do was see on my Instagram stories, all the stories my friend was updating. <laughs> and oh my gosh, it was so beautiful for me because he was inviting Christian friends and also people who were not Christian. Wow. And it, I didn't see that in the in the videos because I saw every single one jumping and even though they didn't went to you know worship God, they were jumping and they were they were enjoying the moment and they could be outside in a night, nightclub mm-hmm. drinking alcohol doing bad things, but instead they were in the church mm-hmm. jumping and worshiping God. They didn't even know they were worshiping God, but they. They were doing that. Yeah. And he told me a few weeks after that, some of his friends 
they accepted Jesus. Mm. So obviously it was not like the thing we want, like exactly what we want, but it was working and it was mm. something new. It was something different. And mm. if we res resist that change, maybe they wouldn't get those mm. people. I, I think a lot of us would maybe say, yeah, that's that's true. And, and I'm open to change, but uh, the author helps us and says, okay, ask yourself these questions as you do the checkup. What's the last personal change you made and successfully adapted to? Hmm. Oh, well, now that you yeah. make it really specific, yeah. I'm not really sure. And then he says, what was your most recent change in how you operate a particular ministry or how you lead essentially, right? And I'm trying to think of that and, and we need to make it more practical. And thank you for that story. It's not just, yeah, we need to be open to change. Have we changed even in the last six months? Anything? Mm -hmm. yeah. Anything that's really a little deeper? It's a good question. It's like it's like, especially in this in this new year, a lot of people make these resolutions to to work out more, or change their like physical body, right? But you can't do that if you're still sitting on the couch eating potato chips. You're not gonna all of a sudden get a six pack just because you decide I want a six pack, you know. <laughs> Yes. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works. Yes. But in ministry either, it doesn't work. I just, we want more people in the church. You can't just say that and all of a sudden there's more people in the church. You have to change something. Yeah, that leads into one of the ones that caught my attention Excellent. in this article. Um, he talks about thinking small, like the category he puts on is thinking small. And um, he specifically says, I'm just going to read it because he wrote it so well. He said, I sometimes catch myself praying big, but then leading small. Huh. And that only happens when I think small. The same can be true for you. Pray big, think big lead large. And um, in the church setting, uh, our regional director, you know, talks about the church that doesn't have no eye um, in Spanish is what he says. So often in our church, it's, well, we don't have and, and well, we're not able. And we talk about all these things of we're so small or we don't have the finances. And um, when you start thinking small and as a leader, when you start leading small, you will stay small. You won't mm -hmm. change. You won't yeah. look for the innovation. You won't uh, start dreaming big. And I know that one thing in our ministry that has sustained us in ministry and we can speak to God's faithfulness and his goodness and, and his provision because we continually ask him to help us think big. And even though we can see the limited resources at hand today, we continue to work towards that bigger thinking and the bigger future and just say, God, if this is what you're placing in us, then we're going to trust that you continue to provide for that mm -hmm. need. And, um, I think it is a good leadership checkpoint uh, to make sure you're just really revising how am I thinking about this? Am I leading in a vision based on thinking small or thinking big? What's another one maybe out of the check, checklist or the checkup? Uh, things that we do in leadership that, oh, they really hurt. They hurt our ministry or hurt our leadership over time. For me, one of the ones that like always is a dagger in my heart is, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's dramatic, but it is, it is starting but not finishing. I do not know what it is about my personality. I do not know what it is about my leadership or what, but this is like my ultimate downfall. I, and it, and it like fuels the rest of this list of like, I feel overwhelmed or I feel 
like I can't think big because I have to finish all these projects that I can't finish for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I know that other people are depending on me and it upsets me that they're depending on me and I'm failing them. And so it's just this whole spiral. Mm -hmm. So that is something that I have known in myself for years now, but also am always actively trying to fight against is this. (laughs) Just finish something. (laughs) I have a friend that um, when we got out of college, she had her first home. And I still remember she goes, don't open that closet. Like when she went <laughs> and I said, why can't I open the closet? And she goes, that closet is the home of all of the craft projects that I've started and never finished. <laughs> they will fall out. She said, I've started so many things. And so when you were saying that, Chelsea, it just brought the closet to my mind, you know, of like, well, it started and it was with really good intention, but I just never finished yeah. it to have a problem. I have a lot of half crocheted or knitted squares. <laughs> right. They're supposed to be washcloths, but... They're just like three lines right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's specifically really on this article talking about leadership too. Like I see this in, in my personal life. I think all of us can say, oh, yeah, there's some task that I just, for me, I just kind of put it off. I don't start it or finish it. I just, <laughs> I just am like, that will get done someday, you know? And it never does, of course, until I really prioritize it. But like even the focus here is on leadership. What does that end up doing to people that are under us, people that are in our care? You know, that drives people nuts. I've been I've been under bosses or pastors or leaders that have said, like, literally launched a project and then never talked about it afterwards. And I'm like, wait, okay, I changed a lot of what I'm doing to, like, make sure that it's, you know, helping this project. And then did was that just like something that you thought of in a like one day and then didn't think of it's just in leadership it it's really discouraging for those around us so uh, are there a few more of these first seven that you'd like to highlight i thought one of the most surprising ones in his list because it was almost like one of those one of these things is not like the other like you can see a lot yeah. of administrative tasks or you know further professional development and stuff like that and um his sixth one is forgetting kindness hmm. um, wow. or being kind and i really liked that and i feel like god's been challenging me on that in the past few months and even few years and as i'm a mom i hear myself saying just be kind to your sister, you know, or be kind to your brother. And as leaders, we can forget kindness when we get so focused on we're heading somewhere and I expect product and I'm looking Mm. for success and we've got this big vision and it's not always bad, you know, like even my tone is like, these are bad things. You know, these are good things that we're working towards, but we can take on this uh, mindset that we just forget to be kind and be like, you know what? I know, AJ, that you're working as hard as you can and you've had a back issue for the past two months. And so maybe your product is not quite what it used to be, you know, or something. But like allowing kindness to come through, like goes so far in leadership. And I think it's something that um, leaders in general, some of us just have it like innately, you know, that it just oozes. I can think of one person that is just kind. Like when I think about that person, I just think the first characteristic comes to my mind is she's so kind. And I want people to say that about me. You know, like she's a good leader, but she's so kind. She really thinks about me and where I'm at and how I fit into the bigger structure. And uh, it's a challenging checklist item for me as a leader, for sure. I think that for me as well, compassion and kindness are way down on my 
lists of strengths. Mm. <laughs> and so that's that's a good reminder for me to, you know, just be kind to people, yeah. especially when I'm in traffic. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually going to say, like, I think it starts with the small things. Just last night we were driving and in, in Santo Domingo we have um, carritos, which are like these public cars. And the way that they function is they just, it's just a car that they use as like a multi-person taxi and they will just pull off and stop mid driving. So if you're not paying attention, you will smack into the back of them. As you describe this, literally my stress is starting. I, like, I, I see I, the two of you uh, <laughs> swimming. But um, I don't know what it was um, last night. This happened, this is a very normal everyday occurrence when you're driving around here. But last night um, we had it happen where the guy was pulling off every time there was somebody on the side of the road walking and there's a lot of people walking and so it was constantly this act of like weaving and us trying to pass him to get around him but just in that time he would pull back out Mm -hmm. and um i could tell aj was getting a little bit frustrated as he was driving as is that would be normal typical reaction (laughs) but my immediate check in my spirit was this man is just trying to get money for his family um you don't know his situation. You don't know why he's driving this car and not doing some other job. You don't know what his day has been. Um, it's the end of the day. And there's a reason he's out here trying to win money. And um, it was just this like this check. Like he's just doing the job that he knows how to do. Um, he's not trying to intentionally be a nuisance in traffic. I, even though yes, we may know. AJ <laughs> and I look to, at each other and we may have a different interpretation of this. No, but, no. but you are reminding us, yeah. uh, which kind of reminds me here in times of stress. Yeah. This is super important. Mm-hmm. And Emily, you were talking about as leaders, we can be driven. We know we see all that needs to be done. And then mm-hmm. stress, as you say, Chelsea, you know, comes into something and then we forget the most basic, which is just being kind to to someone else. Yeah. Let's finish maybe with one more. Natalie, you and I were talking earlier about number four, which I think is avoiding risk. It is. It is avoiding risk. And I think it is really important for me because I'm afraid of pretty much everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, um, you know, during this journey, I've been trying to understand, um, you know, how to get over it. And also having faith means taking risk Mm -hmm. and to risk it is to know that god is sending you to do something that maybe you you probably you won't understand what is it about but at the end it's going to be an end of impact Mm -hmm. and it makes me think about all the stories we have on the bible uh, of people that were taking risk it brings me to abraham in genesis 12 if he wouldn't take a risk Uh, and he wouldn't believe in what God promised, today he wouldn't be known as the father of faith. Mm -hmm. And about about Moses, about Joshua and the victory of Jericho and David Mm -hmm. and the giant. Um, So makes me understand that all I need to do to see the glory of God is to take a risk in faith Mm -hmm. and to understand that, uh, like, and try to make sure actually that Whatever I think I have to raise risk in faith, it has to come 
it has to come from God, yeah. not from a human emotion. I have to be careful with that because whatever comes from God prevails and it is supported. But simple, simple emotion, it will never go far. Mm-hmm. Man, you're speaking to me like I'm thinking of David with a slingshot hmm. going out to a armored giant twice his size huge uh spear or sword like that's risky mm-hmm. and in jericho the you know just yeah we're gonna walk around seven seven, seven days and then the final day seven times it is unbelievable like it's like what are you doing this is i mean your enemies are mocking you and even probably people in israel were like this is the dumbest thing i've ever heard in mm-hmm. my life you know mm-hmm. it's so risky but like here we are and we just want to be safe, you know, and we think that we're going to see great revival, but we never want to take these risks. Well, and I think risk inherently, we kind of feel like we're risking failure. But if you're not going to risk failure, you're also risking success. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like it goes hand in hand. If you mm-hmm. don't risk, you're not going to have one or the other. You're going to be like this really stagnant nothingness, you know. So in the article, he says, you'll never fully know the future. And I think that's why you don't avoid risk because we don't know where God's taking us. God Mm -hmm. hasn't given us that entire, like, here's every single day of your life mapped out. And so just trusting that if God is leading me, exactly Mm -hmm. what you just said, if God's leading me in this and it feels risky, then I'm going to take the step of faith and Mm -hmm. don't avoid it. That's good. There may be two or three. In fact, the author even says, don't get overwhelmed with seven and let alone we're going to dedicate another episode in two weeks on on the other seven. Uh, but just pick one or two, you know, that you could say, I'm going to work on this this week, this month, you know, and I'm just going to go over them really quick. They're very, very fast. Things that will hurt your leadership if done over time. Thinking small, jumping to conclusions. We haven't talked about all of these, but resisting change, avoiding risk starting but not finishing, forgetting kindness, and this last one, too busy not to pray. Oh, <laughs> man, we could, in fact, we kind of have dedicated we other have. other episodes on that. <laughs> we yeah. can link to that. <laughs> yeah. And Emily, if they would like to find other episodes, where can they find those? You can find the whole archive on uh, mesoamericagenesis.org. Uh, we would encourage you as well to follow us on Spotify. It's a new platform that we're on and you can follow us. You can find every single episode that comes out of the Worthless Servants podcast. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, same name, the Worthless Servants podcast. Awesome. This is so good. So we'll continue this uh, with seven more great things uh, that help us in our in our annual checkup. Shouldn't be should be more than annual, I think. But um, so we are the Worthless Servants and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. And I'm Chelsea Fry. And we will talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.